Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily local sports podcast network. I am your co-host, Brian Peacock. Alongside me, as always, is Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find this program on all of your favorite podcast apps. Your team has a show, no matter the sport, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's program is going to be fun. We're going to talk to Chris Clark. He's co-host of Locked On Chiefs. Talk a little bit about Super Bowl 54. We're getting into Super Bowl mode here, even though we've got plenty of time and the media insanity will happen all next week. Let's talk to Chris Clark today before the media insanity and get his thoughts on how the Chiefs are playing, which is at an extremely high level heading into Super Bowl 54. And we've got some coordinator news around the NFL, Matt. Let's start there with the news of the day, which is two new coaching hires, offensive coordinators, former head coaches, and it's Jason Garrett, the new OC for Joe Judge's squad and the New York Giants. Yeah, before we do, and I, I'm excited to talk about Jason Garrett in particular, is I need I need to apologize to the listeners. I screwed up yesterday. We were talking Senior Bowl. The Chargers are not one of the teams coaching. I thought they were. It's the Bengals and Lions. My error. Um, so anyone that was listening yesterday and wanted to yell at me, sorry. Or if you want to, um, yeah, if, you, if I didn't want to give you misinformation. So I was just listening back and realized I screwed that up. Also, want to let everyone know tomorrow's be Twitter Thursday. So yes. flood us with some questions. Well, we'll hit that hard tomorrow. But let's talk Garrett. Um, I know he wasn't a great head coach, but he has head coaching experience within the division. That's huge. I mean, I think that's a great pickup. I don't know if everyone realizes this, but he hasn't called plays since 2013, but he is an offensive guy and he will be the play caller for the Giants. And I think he'll do fine. I mean, he helped develop a good quarterback running back tandem, you know, in Dak and Zeke. And is that all that much different than Saquon and Jones? You know, they're about all about the same age and bring them along together as a tandem. Um, he's a smart guy, an Ivy League dude. People seem to really flock to him and like him as a person. Maybe he's just not a head coach, but I think he'll be a real asset as a coordinator. Yeah, I like the hire because you just hired a head coach that hasn't coordinated either side of the ball yet. You need that head coaching experience on your staff. I think that's pretty important. Now you have the head coach of your offense. How do you build your staff, ideally, if you are a team that just hired a guy who's never called plays on offense or defense? So I, I like that idea for Jason Garrett and finding themselves a, an ex-head coach, someone who's been through the entire ringer in a big market. I don't think anything that happens in New York is going to be too much to put on Jason Garrett's plate for you. No, and it it came out recently that they're going to hire Mike Nolan as the defensive court. Oh no, I'm sorry, Dude, scrap that. He's going to Dallas. I'm I'm all screwed up. Sorry about that. The the coaching carousel, by the way, is insane. And there's a you'll it's you'll see rumors, and yeah, it's hard to keep up. And all these guys that you associate with the team, and now they're on a new team. And yeah, uh, Nolan going to the Cowboys. Which is a similar it's Patrick situation. Patrick Graham is taking over as a Giants defensive coordinator. Wow, I don't uh, know much about him. Do you know anything about him? I don't either. I mean, he's Dolphins background. After one season as a Dolphins defensive coordinator, Graham's going to go up. But I don't know a ton about him. I will dig in, but it's kind of hard to judge him coaching bad football players in Miami. It's hard to judge any coach. 
It makes sense. And I don't know if it's going to yeah. work. I don't know if Jason Garrett is such a great offensive mind that that is a slam dunk hire, but I get the hire and I think it's the right way to go if you're the New York Giants. I'll, I'll put it that yeah. way from an experience standpoint. Yeah, and they've had success in the division, Dallas I'm talking about. And this is mine and yours first year of talking together every day this time of year. But I've said it for many years that when the coaching this time of year with 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 assistant ho- coaching hires and coordinators, it's really hard for me to comment on, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know these people. I, I can't evaluate their tape the same way you do a player. So I don't avoid it. But I just kind of do the best I can and don't jump in the deep end when I'm evaluating coaching hires. It's really hard, too, because you can't you're not sitting at the table in those interviews. And I think you see a lot of the coaches get a lot of jobs because they're really good interviewing. And then maybe they're not as good when it comes to their actual job. And you see that with prospects, too. Some prospects are fraudulent because they faked it really well and they were good in interviews. And on the other side of it, I could totally see being a GM and sitting across from a coach that's maybe not as prepared or doesn't have as flashy a presentation or you don't like exactly the the philosophy he's got as a coach or you sit across from a prospect. I could definitely see this one when you are a GM, you sit across from a prospect in those 15 minute interviews of the combine and that prospect leaves the room and you look around and you think there's no way I want that human being in my locker room because I just don't trust that guy right now. And maybe they turn out to be a great player. Maybe they're super talented, but I could see a lot of prospects just getting taken right off the board just because there's a bad 15 minutes that happened there. I only have experience. I sat in, I think, three or four of those 15-minute conversations when I was with the Browns. And there was a a highly ranked, easy first-round pick that we sat down with. And as he was walking out the door, shaking hands, one of the, the coaches in the room or one of the scouts in the room that had been doing it a long time said, Pro Bowl or Super Bowl? You know, like you had to answer right this second. He's like, oh, Pro Bowl. You know, and we were like, eh. Oh, wrong answer. <laughs> Come on. You got to get coached up on that. If they say cat or dog, you always say dog. You always say Super <laughs> right, Bowl right. over Pro Bowl. Come on, man. Yeah, that's that's Pro Bowl or Super Bowl. Oh, Pro Bowl. Man. That, man's, like, that means he didn't uh, put the work in. That means he did not put the work in. Just like the guys <laughs> who, who don't work out well, but you know they're fast. It's like, oh, so you didn't work on this this drill you didn't work on those answers <laughs> right. with your with your agent and with your people so uh the other head coach or the other uh former head coach and new offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars that was hired yesterday is Jay Gruden what are your thoughts there see i always thought Jay Gruden was always overshadowed a little by his brother who was a little bit more well known and was never given the proper supplies to really win with a rough organization in Washington. So my point is, I think he's an underrated coach overall. I mean, if he would have went to a different team, uh, he did, he made he made some chicken soup out of chicken scratch, you know, in, in Washington. And if he's gonna be your offensive coordinator, great. I mean, he was phenomenal with that with the Bengals too. So I, I like that one a lot. We got to get to our guest today, Chris Clark, but some interesting hires there. We'll see how things go for those offenses in New York and in Jacksonville. Now let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs and Super Bowl 54. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew because you can chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That makes a lot more sense to me. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked on. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. For Brian Peacock, too, I might add. You can go to calm.com slash locked on to get 40% off Calm Premium membership. LeBron James says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain and leaves, and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. Our guest today is Chris Clark at Chris Clark NFL on Twitter, co-host of Locked On Chiefs. Chris, you and I are going to talk at some point in the next two weeks and do a crossover here getting into this Super Bowl matchup. But we've got you here on Locked On NFL first. Uh, How has this run been for you just hosting a podcast of a team that got over that hump and got into the Super Bowl? It's been fantastic. Uh, we have a lot of new fans that are coming on and, and really seem to be enjoying the show and uh, get a lot of interaction on Twitter, so really enjoying that. But really just having this end after 50 years of frustration of not getting to the Super Bowl and and being able to watch a player in Patrick Mahomes just be able to do some of the things he's been able to do on the football field in the past couple of weeks has been phenomenal. Chris, great to have you. I kind of feel like I should take a step back and let you two drop the gloves and just battle it out here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask Chris because it'd be worse for those uh, Chiefs fans to lose to the Forty ers in the Super Bowl or to have lost in the AFC Championship last year. Honestly, at this point, I think it's worse if they lose to the Forty ers but uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. So we'll have to talk about it in the next couple of weeks. Ooh, okay, I can't wait till those uh, hot take predictions on the crossover podcast. You guys left our tune over to that locked on Chiefs, locked on Forty ers crossover to get the actual predictions for that Super Bowl Fifty Four. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes playing at a crazy high level. I saw a stat today from PFF about negative graded throws from Patrick Mahomes and in weeks one through 14 I believe it was 15% of his throws or so were negatively graded by PFF in weeks 15 to 19 it was cut in half seven and a half percent and then in week 20 in the playoffs zero percent negatively graded throws I don't I don't know if we can keep up the zero percent but man uh, that just shows you where he's at right now 
uh, in this season, just playing at a crazy high level. Yeah, he's seen the field fantastic. Uh, he's using his feet to move around in the pocket and, and get outside the pocket at times and still th- deliver f- throws downfield and throws on the run. Uh, it's really been a lot of fun to watch him and, and just his ability to create outside the pocket and outside the normal offensive play calling is a lot of fun as well. I mean, you really think his injuries are what, quote, slowed him down and, you know, his down games are still better than 90% of the quarterbacks out there. But I mean, pre-injury, post-injury, 2018, I believe is who Mahomes is. Do you think it was just the injury slowing him down? I think it was part of the injury and I think it was also part of him getting a little sloppy in his technique. Uh, he's talked uh, to a couple of different reporters around the Kansas City area about how in week 12, he went and self-scouted himself uh, during their bye week. And he found that he was really drifting in the pocket and leaving his lineman out to dry uh, mm-hmm. and getting sacked on plays that he shouldn't have got sacked on uh, if he would have, you know, just kind of had more pocket presence. And I think he's really worked on that. And I think that's been a big part of it. But then you also look at his decision making and his ability to uh diagnose the defense before the defense is even or before the snap is has been phenomenal and his ability to learn that from Alex Smith uh in Alex's time in Kansas City really helped him get that down you mentioned week 12 he self-scouted himself was there a game week 11 or before or maybe even going back to the playoffs last year that you would recommend the 49ers coaching staff go back to and say, okay, this is the game where a defense (laughs) gave Patrick Mahomes fits. This is what I would do against the Chiefs offense. You know, I don't know that there's really a specific game. If you can hit him and you can injure him, that's one thing. And I really hope that doesn't happen because uh, when he is not injured and when he's playing 100% healthy, he's going to be hard to stop. If you look at him throughout the first part of the season, he was struggling with an injury. I mean, he got injured in the Jaguars game. He had, I think, it was either two or three touchdowns and 175 yards, I believe, before getting injured in the second quarter in the Jaguars game. Uh, and then that completely changed the way he was able to play the rest of the game. They're able to hold on and they were able to win, and that's fine. But that ankle injury really bothered him until he got healthy after his knee injury. Uh, so, you know, you look at that and you look at uh, him being able to just move around and, and be able to. Uh, throw from any kind of pocket and throw from any arm angle. Uh, His feet are really important for him to be able to do that. He doesn't necessarily have to be in a normal set for people uh, as most QBs do, but he does need to be able to have both feet that he can step through on and use uh, to be able to get that platform. I think Mahomes is pretty close to an unstoppable force, but what would maybe worry me most from a Chiefs perspective is the athleticism, speed, ability to corral Mahomes with the front with, with the front seven. I mean, including those fast niner linebackers, all their defensive linemen can run. That's going to be a challenge for the Chiefs. No, it's definitely going to be a challenge for the Chiefs. You know, the bigger question I have, and this is what it really comes down to for me, is Kansas City hasn't lost a game since Eric Fisher came back and has started left tackle for mm-hmm. for them. Uh, I think he's been a solidifying force. You look early on in the season, and he had a lot of uh, – he had he was injured in the first game, I believe, or maybe it was the second game, and he, and he missed five or six or seven games. And at that point, uh, you have Cam Irving come in, and he's just not uh, anywhere Good. near the same – well, yeah, he's not. <laughs> I mean, he, you could put it that way. That's fine. Uh, he just isn't near what Fisher is. And, he, you know, Mahomes is getting sacked or hit, you know, 10, 15 times a game, 
and I'm not saying he got sacked 10 or 15 times, but getting hit on a regular basis. Uh, and then there was a game, it was actually against Tennessee, I believe, where uh, Cam Irving is still playing left tackle. And at that point, he gets rushed by Harold Landry. Mahomes gets rushed by Harold Landry. Harold Landry pushes Cam Irving into Mahomes. Mahomes falls over and takes out uh, Mitchell Schwartz. And that is the first snap Mitchell Schwartz has ever missed in his career. The next play, Kansas City moves their left guard at that point, which was uh, Martinez Rankin, to right tackle. And he tears his ACL on the very next play. <laughs> it was just a fumbling of offensive linemen at that point. And you know, Mitchell Schwartz came back in the game and he's played every snap since and he started a new streak. But my whole point is, is that when you have a weak link like what Cam Irving has been at left tackle for Kansas City when he's had to play, it really has changed the dynamic of what they're able to do. Uh, Cam Irving wasn't able to get enough power to be able to keep rushers from getting to Mahomes. And Fisher is doing enough to where he's creating a circle around the quarterback to where if you're getting to Mahomes, it's after four or five seconds as opposed to after two seconds, which is a huge difference. It's crazy. It was just a few years ago that Fisher kind of solidified himself this time of year at the Senior Bowl. And what was a weak draft class? And I just want to take the opportunity to ask, do you think the Chiefs, big picture, are happy at running back, care about running back, will address running back, or does it even matter? I'm not going to say it's not. it doesn't matter, but what I will say is when you start looking at running back, I don't know that the problem really is at the running back position near as much as it is at their interior offensive line has just been bad this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cannot block. They cannot create holes in the run game. You know, your two tackles are stalwarts when it comes to pass protection and run and, uh, you know, blocking for the run. But when you got a left guard and a, and a center and a right guard that aren't being able to get it done in the running game, it really hampers what you're able to do. And I think that's what you've seen is Kansas City was successful against the Titans in uh, the second half in the third quarter, running the ball a lot on the outside. Uh, they were getting their players to the outside. They were doing pitches. They were doing, you know, jet sweeps early on in the game. But they got the running game going because they were using mostly outside runs. There were a couple of interior runs, but it was mostly outside stuff. And I think that's what you're going to see from them, you know, going into the Super Bowl. I think that's what they're going to continue. I really think that when they start looking in the offseason, I think they're going to have to try to rebuild that interior offensive line because if they do that, then they'll be able to run the ball. Why has Patrick Mahomes been so much better? I mean, he's been good against man coverage as well, but he's been better against zone coverages than man coverages. Is that just because he's able to make those stick throws, those zone beaters down the seam or between the second and third level defenders? I think it's part Mahomes. And I think it's part his receivers. Because if you think about it, when you're talking about zone coverages, you have players that are running all over the field. The defense is trying to run to different spots and cover a large area. And at that point, you're sitting in a situation where you have all these skill players for Kansas City who are extremely fast. They're getting to those open areas a lot faster than defenders are used to having to adjust to them. And I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, when it's a zone coverage, Mahomes already knows all the routes that are being run. So at that point, it's a matter of, okay, well, I know if I'm running this zone coverage, then this route's going to win. So I'm going to be going here, and that's where I'm going to be looking. I might be looking the safety off on the other side of the field, or keeping him in the middle of the field so he can't break on that route, but I'm still going to be going here, and I'll turn and throw at the last second. 
the other aspect of it, of course, is Andy Reid's offensive mind. I mean, if you give Andy Reid predictable coverages or he gets a bead on what you're doing snap after snap, not that all zones are predictable, but if you know this linebacker is dropping to spot X, Reid's going to torture you. Yep, absolutely. And then you have players on Kansas City's offense that you can't even really double team and take away. Uh, you know, San Francisco might have a little bit of a better time than Houston did, but you know, Houston triple team Kelsey at times, and he still took advantage of him. I mean, that you know, you look at Mahomes' third touchdown to Kelsey. There were six Texans in the picture when it was just Mahomes <laughs> and Kelsey, and it was still a touchdown. That's unbelievable. All right, we got to talk more about this Kansas City team, especially the defense. Get a little bit more into this Super Bowl matchup coming. Wait, up. before we go, who's better, Kittle or Kelsey? Oh, oh, I think you know who I'm going to say on that one. <laughs> what, what do you think, Brian? Oh, that's that's easy. I mean, <laughs> is Kelsey even a tight end? Let's see him block somebody first, man. I mean, come on. Uh, pretty sure Kelsey sprung the two Chiefs touchdowns this past right. week. So let's just going to throw that out up. there. Yep. No, that's All good right. stuff. That's good stuff. Okay. I mean, that's a 30-minute show in its own right. <laughs> More Chris Clark coming up. Actually, let's start with Kelsey here because uh, obviously the 49ers and and Chiefs have the two best tight ends in the NFL, and they will at some point be a factor, whether it's the run game or the pass game. And uh, Kittle, obviously, with the 49ers throwing the ball eight times last week, caught only one pass, and his his impact in this postseason has been in the run game, and he's such a good blocker. Uh, but let's say that 49ers defense, and we've seen it with Aaron Rodgers, and they gave... Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Rodgers, I've never seen him so distressed, and he was he was he had that look on his face like, we're, we're done. And you don't see that very often. And the 49ers have had a way this season in a number of games making an opposing offense just throw their arms up in the air and be like, I, what are, what can we do here? This game is over. And, and teams not even going for it on fourth down late in the game and just punting it back because they don't want to get their quarterback killed. Let's say the 49ers defense is able to do enough of a number on Patrick Mahomes. They're not going to shut him down, I don't think, like they shut down the Packers and Aaron Rodgers last week and Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings the week before. Mahomes is going to get his, but if they do enough to limit Patrick Mahomes and that offense doesn't go off in the passing game, what else can they lean on? Just underneath stuff, some catch-and-run stuff? Can they run the ball enough, do you think, to win a game if maybe there's a few turnovers from Patrick Mahomes? What else can you lean on aside from those big plays in that offense? Well, honestly, it wasn't big plays against the Tennessee Titans that won them the game. It was, uh, you know, they had a couple of, uh, you know, Tyree Kill's catch on, on his first touchdown of the game in, in, against the Titans was like a handoff, but it was basically a push pass, uh, you know, and, and they count that as a pass in the NFL. Well, that's really a run. Uh, and what you saw on that run is you saw Kelsey chip the, the end, and then at the very end of the play, right before Hill gets to, to the five-yard line, Kelsey also gets just enough of the safety to keep him out of the playing and lets Hill get to the edge. So in that situation, Kelsey blocked two different defenders and helped them score the touchdown. He sealed on the on the Damien Williams touchdown run as well. I think what you're going to see is Kansas City is going to use their speed to get players open and use that. But I also think that you're going to see if they can't really throw the ball downfield, I don't think that's as big of an issue for them as some people may think it may be because – they are an explosive offense. They can get the ball down the field very quickly, but it doesn't necessarily have to be big chunks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes took the ball down the field in less than two minutes against the Tennessee Titans, 
and it wasn't big chunk plays. It was, you know, a 10 yard out here, a, another 10 yard out here and in, in playing on the sidelines where you shouldn't be able to be allowed to play at all uh, because the defense should know you're going to, toward the sideline at that point. So I do think that they're going to be able to use that. And do they have enough of a running game to really be dangerous? I think they do. I think Damian Williams has played fantastic for them over the past several weeks. Uh, I'm really interested to see if they give the ball to Darwin Thompson. Uh, the problem that they're facing at running back is they have a lot of injuries. Uh, Daryl Williams got er- injured early in the year. Spencer Ware got injured earlier in the year. So they're really their lack of depth at running back is going to be something that's a little concerning. Uh, so you have to hope those guys stay healthy. Chris, I need your help with something. And this is going to take a little thought. Um, for a site that I write for, and we might do this on this podcast, we're having a draft of all the players in this game. And the problem is, if I get the first, if we flip a coin, I get the first pick, I'm going to take Mahomes. And right. then we're going to go back and forth, and my team's going to win. So what would you need if for me to get Mahomes, you get Jimmy? How many other players from this game do you need before we draft to agree to the terms? Three, four, ten, one? That's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you if I'm going to get Jimmy and you get Mahomes, that's going to be really tough. Uh, I think it really comes down to skill position players at that point. And you start looking at Tyree Kill and you look at McCall Hardman, and you look at Travis Kelsey, and you have to wonder, you know, are those guys going to be enough? And you would think that they're going to be. But when you look at what Jimmy Garoppolo did in the, Nash, in the NFC Championship game, throwing eight passes, uh, the ability to offset that, it's, it's going to be really hard to do. Uh, yeah, you could go pick a running back, but the question is with the 49ers, is it going to be Mozart again? Uh, I would think it probably would be, but Tevin Coleman might be able to play. We don't know. And, you know, they have Brita as well. So it's going to be very hard for me to decide if I, if I could really make that trade, because at that point, you're really talking about Mahomes, who's going to score pretty much all Kansas City's points, I would imagine. Uh and, I think and, you're missing the point. Let me let me back up a second. I'm talking, I'm okay. not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about you, we're going to draft every, a, a, a team from every player in this game. You can have Jimmy Bosa, okay, I Kittle, got you. and Sherman, and you're I'm going to have Mahomes. And then we're going to yeah. start drafting from there. So you're asking me how many players I would have to draft after I took Jimmy. Jimmy. Before you'd agree to it, and then we start going back and forth. Hmm. Uh, what if I gave you the entire Niners D-line and Jimmy – and I get my homes, and then we start picking from there. Well, the second pick would obviously be George Kittle, right? Oh, certainly over Kelsey. Yeah, I, I, that's obvious. Honestly, I don't know. That's a I know. We're trying to figure this out for this site. and Because you start looking – well, really what it comes down to, though, is you start looking at the different position groups that are so important in the NFL. You got left tackle. You have corner. You have – you know, quarterback, obviously, yeah, yeah, any pass rushers. So, you know, are when you start talking about drafting those guys, I'd say at least have to be five or six players before you get to a point where it would be an even trade. Wow, it's a lot. So you're going to have Jimmy Hill, Bosa, <laughs> Kittle, and Chris Jones, and I'm going to have Mahomes, and then we're going to start drafting, and then you'll agree to it. Give me Frank Clark, too, and I might consider it. <laughs> you guys might be looking at the wrong side of the ball. If Mahomes is my guy, I'd probably be taking the next five best offensive linemen in a row. Well, 
And I get that, but the thing that Mahomes does, and I think that this is what makes him so valuable, especially with this this offensive line, is that while the left tackle, while the left tackle and right tackle have been fantastic, their interior hasn't been great at pass blocking either. No. But Mahomes is still being able to move around in the pocket pretty well. So I think what you're seeing from him is he actually alleviates some of that pressure on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, so I do think that while line is going to be important, I don't think it's near as important as, as some people may think it may be. Why have the Chiefs gotten off to such a slow start in the last two games? And if they do get into a two-score hole, can they climb their way out of it as easily against the 49ers as they have the last two weeks? Well, part of it is they always defer. Uh, and that's, you know, when you start looking at their philosophy on taking the ball in the, you know, to start the second half, that seems to be what they always want to do. And I get that. And it makes a lot of sense. But it's always seemed to be a Kansas City thing where their defense has come out and they've started slow. Uh, I don't have a great answer for why that is. Uh, it, it just seems like they take a series to settle in or maybe two series to settle in before they really get to a point where they're becoming a more formidable uh, system. Although what you really see and what you really saw against Tennessee was it was really after the first three drives, Tennessee really didn't do anything until the very end of the game. So at that point, it's a completely different situation. So it also could be that Kansas City's defense is finally just figuring out, okay, well, this is what they're doing. This is what their offensive game plan is, and this is how we're going to shut it down. And they're able to make adjustments after the first couple of drives. Offensively, you know, you look at the Texans game, it was drops that killed them. That wasn't what killed them in the, in this game against the Titans. They just didn't – they weren't able to get a first down on their first drive, and then they were down 10 points. Uh, but even going down 10 points, I mean, that's really not that big of a deal when you have a guy like Mahomes because at this point you have a defense that you feel is going to make, be able to get stops. And at some point, they're, if they're kicking a field goal, you're in a much better position because Mahomes is going to score touchdowns. We haven't One thing about- that's oh, not talked about enough, sorry, is special teams. And I try to always bring it up for big games. The Chiefs have excelled in that phase. Great returners, great kicker. I think they have an advantage over the Niners, who haven't been bad, but the Chiefs have been one of the best teams in the league on special teams. Yeah, they absolutely have. And, you know, McCole Hardman has been a big part of that. Uh, he was a Pro Bowl returner, and obviously he's not playing the Pro Bowl this week, but I'm sure he's happy with what he's doing instead. But you look at what he means to this team and his speed and his ability and his vision, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be very hard uh, for a team to defend. You know, the, the real question when it comes to special teams for me, though, is, is really when you start getting into the kicking game, which really shouldn't be as big of an issue when you're talking about being in Miami where you're hoping the weather is going to be nice. Uh, so it shouldn't be as big of an issue, but coverage is going to be a bigger deal. And, you know, I will admit I haven't seen enough San Francisco games enough to know whether or not they're kicking the ball off to the end zone and given the ch- chance for uh, returns or not. Uh, that's definitely something I'm going to watch over the next couple of weeks. But I know Kansas City – Dave Tobe likes to gamble. Uh, he will tell Butker to kick it short on purpose so to see if they can gain a couple extra yards, and sometimes that makes a big difference. Maybe cause a fumble or, you know, bad things can happen. Right. Yeah, the ball is all oblong, and it bounces funny, and a lot of different things can happen in a big game. Really quick, we haven't talked much about the Kansas City defense, and, and we only have about a minute left here, Chris. The 49ers last week scored 37 points and only had to throw the ball eight times to accomplish that, and even – as, as good as Mahomes is, the the Chiefs put up 35 fewer. They put up fewer points against the Titans last week than the 49ers did, and the Niners just ran the ball every single down, basically. And they've done that two weeks in a row. So 
the 49ers offense can score, and there's been games when they've not needed Jimmy Garoppolo. There's been multiple games where Garoppolo's thrown four touchdown passes, and he's actually getting the ball out quickly, and he's got a better yards per attempt than Patrick Mahomes. So if the Chiefs offense does their job, maybe doesn't go huge, but you know has a nice game, can the Kansas City defense come up big and hold the 49ers under, say, let's say the 30-point mark is what you need. Can the, can the Chiefs defense stop the run stop the pass stop Kyle Shanahan's offense and win that game for the Chiefs yes <laughs> there you have it a confident Kansas City Chiefs team coming into Super Bowl 54 thanks again to Chris Clark for joining the show we've got plenty more to break down with this game until February 2nd right here locked on NFL